Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Edge Podcast. I am your host, Leslie Vickery, the CEO and founder of Clear Edge Marketing. For those of you new to the Edge, we feature executive women in the recruitment industry in an effort to shine the light on the wonderful women leading our industry forward and for up-and-comers. If they can see it, women in executive roles and understand the day and the life of the C-suite, they can certainly envision and be it. For today's episode, it brings me great pleasure to welcome my good friend and fellow co-author of Together We Rise, of which we wrote together with 13 other women from our industry, Kendra Cato, the Director of Enterprise Strategy with Bullhorn. Welcome, Kendra. Hi, Leslie. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about today. This is a long time in the making, Kendra, so I'm excited <laughs> to further share your story, and thank you again for joining us here today, which our listeners will soon find out. I have to say your story is a little bit different than every other executive we interview, and you are just filled with so many great life lessons. I feel like every time I have a conversation with you, I walk away feeling just so inspired So before we kick off and sharing your background, why don't you share a little bit about Bullhorn and what your team does? Absolutely. Thanks, Leslie. Um, I hope I can share a little bit of inspiration today. I know better than to think I can tell this audience that is so um, experienced and knowledgeable and who I learn from every day. I know better than to think I can tell them anything, but my hope is that I can just leave a small tidbit of knowledge or a bit of my story and leave them better than I found them. So again, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to represent a bit of of Bullhorn as well. We are the largest global SaaS provider for staffing and recruiting firms. And we help our industry put the world to work. And our team, the enterprise sales team, works with the largest, the biggest, the brightest, the best, dare I say, firms. And it's always my goal to connect with as many clients as possible and learn as much as possible from them to bring back to our team to continue to elevate our customers' experience and make sure it's an incredible one. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kendra. I happen to have the pleasure of knowing you fairly well over the years. Mm -hmm. And I know even just three years ago, if we look back to you then and to where you are today, you're in a very different place in your career Tell us a little bit about your journey and I guess how you realized how important it is to trust your gut. I'm so glad you asked me this question, Leslie, because I continue to learn this lesson of the importance of trusting your gut. And it is something that I preach to all of my girlfriends, my family, those in my circle, because our gut, when we remove fear, our gut is the most honest, truthful North Star we have. And so sometimes we allow our fear to get mixed in there. And that's where we may make decisions that we thought we were trusting our gut, but we weren't. But that removal of fear is so powerful. And so I'm thinking of a time about five years ago when I had decided to accept this role with Bullhorn. And I came home for the holidays, super excited. I couldn't wait to tell my mom that I'm taking this big step. I'm going to work for a global company. And I sat her down with my sister and some other family and shared my big news. And I expected excitement. And my mother, who's one of the most loving, supportive people I know in general, let alone the fact that she's my mother, she 
she paused and I interpreted her nervousness or her anxiousness as doubt. And it stung. It really stung. And that was a huge lesson for me. Like when you're taking a big step, when you're making any step, you have to look in the mirror. You have to place your bet on you. And it just took me back to something my father would always say, everything ain't for everybody. (laughs) And even though I was certain this next move was what was best for me, I recognized in that moment, my decision to trust my gut. And my life has unfolded in incredible ways since then. And I know it's because I decided in that moment that this is my path. It's, It's for me. And I'm not, I don't owe anyone an explanation as long as I'm doing what's right and not hurting anyone and just putting my best foot forward, life will continue to unfold in the way it's meant to. Taking that, Kendra, the piece of trusting your gut and really taking the time to better understand your own drive and your own why. And when you have a solid understanding of what that is, you can better trust your gut. You can make better decisions for what you're looking to do in life personally and professionally, because you have this kind of North star, so to speak. A lot of people, however, have a hard time figuring out what that is. It could be just slowing down enough to think about it and then relating to how they take that and use it as part of their decisions in life and sticking to that. So perhaps you could walk us through your process, so to speak, how you did this for yourself and what suggestions you would have for perhaps our listeners. Knowing your why goes back to really taking time to understand your own self-motivation and understand yourself. If you've heard me speak at all, you know I am big on the importance of self-awareness because from self-awareness comes authenticity and through authenticity that leads to connection. And with connection, we can actually influence change but you can't connect with others if you don't understand what makes your own self tick or what brings out the best in you so that you can bring out the best in others, right? Years ago, if someone had asked me what my why was, Leslie, it would have been hands down, my mama is my motivation, okay? She did everything, she had a tough childhood, she did everything she could to give me and my younger sister a much better life. She was, so influential in my desire to try new things. She pushed me out there into the world, even though she was a bashful little thing herself. And so I always just, once once I lost my father, once we lost my father, I felt like my mother was my motivation. It took some real digging to actually understand that it was much deeper than that. And that came through the power of grief and loss and turning it into a powerful purpose. But that journey between the grief and the loss and the powerful purpose was all because I sat down to write this chapter for Together We Rise. It was really sitting down and having our publishers, Michelle Prince's voice in my back of my mind saying, if you're not vulnerable, it'll be boring. And me thinking, all right, I'm a lot of things, but my daddy didn't raise any anyone that's boring. So let me be honest and forthright. And in sharing that, it just gave me an aha moment and empowered me to um, take that grief 
and that loss and turn it into such a powerful purpose. So at the end of the day, each and every one of us have a why. Whether we found it or yet or not, everyone has a, a story that if you take the time to dig deep and know and learn your why, um, you'll be able to understand and share. And so I looked back at my journey on how I have come to this self-realization and this understanding. And I know that it was, it was months after my dad had suddenly passed away. I had left my husband, who was also my business partner. And I had moved into a tiny Chicago apartment. It was six blocks away from my suddenly former life. <laughs> and I had to drive back to Ohio to check on my mama. Um, she had been rushed to the hospital. What we would later find out was a widow's heart attack. Now, I've always prided myself on being strong, like my father. There's no doubt about that. But that night, when my closest friend showed up and sat with me on my family's front porch, I finally cried every tear I had in me. And my friend Jess, she thanked me, okay? She thanked me for trusting her with my tears the way she had trusted me since high school. When she stayed at my parents' house to avoid her mom's new boyfriend. And when we got the call that her mom was killed while he was drunk driving, she thanked me. But that was Jess. Leslie, you've heard me speak so much about her beautiful soul. It was the most beautiful one I've ever known. And she had this huge, big, bright smile to match. So a couple of years later, I was home for the holidays and before flying to London to start this new role here at Bullhorn and Jess came by to check on my mom and me like she always did. I could count on her through and through. She smiled her smile. She surprised me with a thoughtful gift. And then she drove home and parked her car in the garage and left both me and her other best friend tearful voicemail saying that she loved us. So a few days later, I shared a Maya Angelou quote while giving her eulogy. If you only have one smile in you, give it to the people you love. And like I wrote in my chapter, leave them better than you found them. I will spend the rest of my life doing the very best to pay her love and her beautiful smile forward. And so when thinking about discovering my purpose and understanding my why, I often think of my father telling me, slow is fast, baby girl, slow is fast. Because I know I'm not the only one running late, having a bad day. Suddenly I drop my keys. My sleeve gets caught on my door knob. I'm Callie won't, my dog, little dog won't come in the house when I need her to. And I know it's just life telling me to slow down and be present so that I can stand true in my purpose and my why, which is truly to leave them better than I found them. Every time I hear your story, which has been multiple times, it always gets me, Kendra, just how vulnerable, if I can imagine before the chapter, you hadn't really taken the time to do what your dad said, slow down, slow yeah. fast, baby girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. mindful moments that we need to have, they're such gentle reminders. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes tragedy to really help us find that purpose and to have those mindful moments. One of the most important things to me in your message, Kendra, is you just started that journey a couple of years ago, and you were well into your professional career at the time you decided to do that. So it's important for the listeners to realize it's okay if you don't know what your why is right now. It sometimes comes at a very young age. It could be midlife. It could be when you're older, but the key thing is to try and really take that time, that mindful moment, like you said, to slow down, 
and really understand what that is. Yeah. moment. That is so, so true. Leslie, had I not sat down to tell my story, had, had life not essentially forced me to, in a sense, right? This is an opportunity. You signed up to do this thing. Now you have to put your thoughts on paper. Um, but had I not shared my story, even taken the time to dig deep and know why, no one would have known my purpose, including me, not fully. And so I think it's so important to take those mindful moments and be present and really consider what it is you want to accomplish or what it is you want to share when you're connecting with others. It's a beautiful thing, Kendra. And I remember going through the process with you at the time where we were mapping out what our chapters could look like and all of us kind of writing down on this giant sheet of paper thinking, wow, I just mapped out my entire life and then mm-hmm. narrowing it down to what components in there, all of your parents' tips and Jess and the experience with her, how all of that kind of has come together for you to help you find your purpose and your why. You also have a really strong passion and are extraordinarily creative that will kind of layer into this conversation here. Because if you think about your purpose and passion kind of coming together and worlds colliding in the most beautiful way, people can't see this right now because we're not on video, but certainly I saw it before we were videoing and just every call with you, it's that you have this beautifully designed home office behind you. So tell us now, so you have a passion and you have a purpose in life. How do you bring that passion of what you love into your work today? And why do you feel like for you, it's so important to your success to have those two coming together? Ooh, Leslie, life is art. I believe this wholeheartedly. Life is art. And as much as I enjoy having my own interior design business and the hustle of it all, I also found myself more often than not being brought on for projects because, oh, we want to add color or pattern, or we love your style. And then still ending up picking out beige sofas with gray throw pillows. And no offense to anyone out there with beige sofas and gray throw pillows. It's a lovely mix. I'm all for the neutrals. But I realized more and more that it being paid for this passion of mine was stifling the actual art. Um, and so as life brought the, the thought of software and learning more about this and it becoming a passion in its own right and realizing that over time, as I learned more about software and did more with Bullhorn and um, even in my last role, I discovered my actual passion was people. And so I loved being able to bring design and art to people into people's homes because it just gave them an opportunity to enjoy their space or their experience in a new heightened way. And as I had the opportunity to have some free reign in bringing my creativity to some of our internal programs at Bullhorn, I have to give Ryan Murphy a big shout out and thank you for that because we have a great working relationship in the sense that he has grand ideas. I I can match him toe-to-toe usually for those ideas, but he allows me the space to, to be creative and to come up with ways that we can heighten our team's experience. And and that is always the mission. And especially with COVID, once COVID began and everyone being home, how do you keep these sales folks 
who are so passionate about spending time together with be, being in front of clients, how do you really keep them motivated and keep them engaged? And that was a big challenge. And it was something that I feel that we really rose to the occasion throughout the last few years in doing. I have to thank one of my dear friends, an executive in, in sales in the car business. And I was talking to him, we've known each other 20 years. And I was pouting about <laughs> the amount of travel I had lately. I was like, I haven't picked up a paintbrush or a canvas in over a year. I was like, I, I think I'm stifling my creativity. And he just chuckled and said, girl, bye. Every time I talk to you, you are figuring out some, how to solve some problem, how to create some event, how to create an experience. He's like, it doesn't get any more creative than that. Just because you're not using a, acrylic paint in a, in a canvas does not mean that you're stifling your creativity. If anything, when you do pick up that brush, it's going to be that much more amazing. And I had to laugh and tell him, you're right. I will go ahead and put my little violin down and stop whining about the fact that I hadn't had time to paint because it's so true. All of us have some form of creativity. All of us do, whether it's fashion or interior design or whether you can build the best looking vehicle when you're car shopping online. Like all of us have a sense of creativity and it may be writing anything, music. Finding ways to step away from our nine to five and just tapping into that, even if for 60 minutes, is super powerful. I know a lot of the greats, as far as executives go, they do that. They go for walks or have hobbies that help balance them out. And mine has definitely led me to realize that life is art and work is as well. So I enjoy it very much. I love that. And you have brought that artistic creativity. I know just brainstorming with you is one of my favorite things to do and just watching you in action and just some of the creativity, like you mentioned, you've brought to your team that has combined art with the team building exercises has been really interesting to watch over the years. Thank you. Kendra, we wrote a book together. As I mentioned before, we are co-authors on Together We Rise and writing this book, it has been such a special privilege to not only grow closer to you and all of the other lady leaders, but also to rise up women across our industry by sharing our stories, one, so they could relate, see themselves in us and realize they're not alone. And I would say in turn, feel more vulnerable to share their own stories and focus on areas they can grow and then, of course, something I'm really, really proud of, the fact that we donated initial proceeds to the ASA Scholarship Fund, so the American Staffing Association Women in Leadership Scholarship Fund. Uh, what an incredible honor. I believe we were able to help fund six scholarships through the book sales and speaking opportunities that we had. And wow, that group of eight in the end have just been so, so fun to watch them grow and build as well. What has the experience been like for you? I guess we talked earlier about the chapter theme and how that came together mm -hmm. in the process to Kendra standing on stage and keynoting and then just seeing the impact that we've been able to make on the scholarship front. Tell us about that experience and what perhaps did you learn about yourself during the process? Ooh, it was a process. <laughs> it was definitely a process. When we sat on that, that book club meeting, Leslie, and it was said, we should write a book. 
and we're like, let's do it. I was, I know Robin Mee makes the jokes here and there where she was like the only one that kind of wasn't sure about it. I just said, oh, sure. Yes, of course. And then immediately hung up and had heart palpitations, like <laughs> sweaty palms. What in the world did I just sign myself up for? Um, but that is what happens when you spend time with folks who inspire you. I wholeheartedly believe that and strive to live my life that way. You are the most like the people you spend the most time with. And just having that experience and being on a call with all of you, it's like, of course, I'm in. I'll well, figure it out later. And that theme in my life has gotten me in trouble here or there. But for the most part, it has really proven to be the, one of the biggest blessings I've experienced in say yes now, figure it out later. And sitting down and actually beginning my chapter, it was in retrospect, therapeutic, but in the moment it was reliving a trauma that I had um, thought I had moved past and just reliving that feelings of loss and grief and that complete reset that my life required at that time. And I just thought I, I was I'm just doing great. I have a successful career, safe and happy in a city I love and in Chicago. And I just thought I was in a great place. And it really forced me to hold a mirror up to myself and give honor and respect to those feelings. Yeah, that sadness, frankly. And I don't know, I know I'm not alone in this. So many of us women, we are taught to compartmentalize and we have to because we're mothers, wives, girlfriends, daughters, you name it. But we also want to have successful careers and thrive in corporate America. And so it was really jarring for me to have my worlds collide, if you will. Here's something I'm doing with some of the greatest leaders and female leaders in our industry. Here's something I'm doing with women I respect so much that I work with almost every day. But I'm also now sharing something so deeply personal in, in sharing, having to admit to myself that I wasn't healed. I wasn't completely healed. And so that experience is what I tap into every time I take st the stage is reminding myself that this is a process and that it's an honor to share my father's legacy, to share Jess's legacy, um, and to rise up others, especially women, simply by being truthful in the fact that this is a journey, being honest with where I began and where I am now and showing up as myself, not sugarcoating it or dressing it up any nicer, anything like that. And so I've, the greatest honor for me from through all of this has not only been being able to donate proceeds and act, make an actual real impact with the ASA scholarship fund, it's also been the notes and the hugs and the emails of thanks um, from fellas and ladies alike, from everyone, because there was something in my story that touched them or reminded them of things they've gone through in quiet behind closed doors. And just that gratitude that I received, I have at times not felt even worthy of it, Imposter syndrome is real, but 
it's been such an honor, Leslie. And that is, that's not something I expected. I didn't know what to expect when I sat down to do this, that I could have never, I could have never even dreamed of that. And, and just the warm responses and the space for others to be vulnerable as well has been my greatest honor through all of this. It was beautifully said, Kendra. It was quite a process and coming out of it, like you said earlier, you were able to find your purpose and your why. And to do that, it's not always a um, pretty process to go through. I remember our meeting in Chicago I, there were a lot of tears shed that day. Mm-hmm. And as much as we all thought we knew each other, we really didn't until that moment where we all decided to really open up, let our guards down and be vulnerable. But at the end of the process, all of us, as soon as we could read each other's chapters, it was people with imposter syndrome all over again. Oh no, my chapter isn't as good as that chapter or whatever. Will people really resonate with this? I think I pulled it off the press at least three times. I did too. (laughs) But it forced us to not separate our two worlds, right? Everyone talks about that today, just living in a world of trust and transparency and vulnerability. The more people know you and who you are, the less you have to be one person at home and one person at work, you can just be you. And that's what's extremely important. Amen. Yes, I agree. It is exciting and humbling. And it's also a little scary every time. And so that's that energy where I say, I'm like so determined to remember how I felt sitting there with a stiff glass of Macallan 18 to tell myself, you can do this. You can finish this and get this to the publisher. It's due tomorrow. Like this is your last chance to make it perfect. That's a healthy fear. That's vulnerability. You know, that's challenging yourself. That's getting out of your comfort zone. Like being at ASA Staffing World last year in Vegas on that main stage, my hands were shaking. And I just remembered nothing was scarier than sitting down and deciding to share this story and remembering why you're sharing it, the importance behind it. And that little bit of healthy dose of fear with the the purpose behind it, it keeps pushing me forward. Yeah. The fear is if you can get past that and remember the outcome is so much greater than the fear going into that moment, that feeling when you were standing on stage, standing ovations, walking off that incredible feeling. I have to ask you, did you ever show anyone in your family a video of that? I did. I did. I I shared it. They must be so proud of you. (laughs) Listen, I don't know if anyone else's Facebook is basically all of your like aunts and uncles and family and just telling you how proud they are of you. But that is what mine was for the next two months. (laughs) My mom forwarding it to all of my aunts and uh, ladies from church and they, yeah, they are very proud of me. And I'm just, I am grateful to be a woman that they can be proud of and to be the woman I always pictured myself living in the city and with my little dog surrounded by folks who love me, all of my girlfriends. I remember we made a pact maybe five, six years ago. We're like, all right, we've got We all have three years and we all have to be six figures, six figure girls. And it just, it was probably seven years ago at this point. It just felt so out of reach. 
um, for some of the girlfriends, some of my girlfriends too. And we sat back and laughed in 2020, we'd all made it. And just that feeling of community and rising each other up. It's like, I always just always wanted to be, you know, be a woman who had that and who shared that. And I definitely get that from my mama. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> and she was the mom that all my girlfriends would go running to, whether they had some exciting news or some awful news. Uh, and she was just always so supportive and so non-judgmental. Always wanted to be like her in that sense. And so it's really cool to have those moments and get to stand in my truth and hear my mama and my aunts, even though they still don't know what I do for a living, they, they're very quick to tell me how proud they are of me. And I know they mean it. <laughs> good, good, good. And yes, I always joke with our team on even our Clear Edge Facebook page that it's mostly the engagement would be my mom and dad, <laughs> new team members, congratulating someone on an award, whatever it may be. Uh-huh, exactly. Or what? <laughs> All right, well, Kendra, I don't want to miss the opportunity to discuss diversity in our industry or maybe the lack thereof. I know it is something you are passionate about and have spoken about on many platforms. How can we make our organizations more inclusive and safe for people to really, as we've been talking about here today, not have to separate who you are at home and who you are at work? How can we make a safe place, an inclusive place for people to bring their whole selves to work? And why do you feel like that is so important? Ooh, well, I, um, as a business leader, I feel like it's so important because just taking five minutes to research the global market and understanding what is happening, right? With aging populations, declining birth rates, baby boomers, retiring, our talent pool is shrinking. The talent pool we know as of now is shrinking. And so there is this huge opportunity to reach untapped talent. There's nearly half a billion people around the world, Leslie, who are deprived of earning an income through employment, right? And women, people of color, and young people fear the worst in labor markets. So from a business standpoint, we hear this often of, why making the case, you know, more diverse teams are more successful, greater revenue generation from teams where there is diversity, et cetera, et cetera. And I will always stand on that hill and preach that sermon because it's true and it's important. But personally, I also know that as true as that is, you can't just hire more folks from marginalized communities and think that's going to be the solve. Um, it's about belonging and inclusivity. It's about just allowing folks to bring their whole selves to work and being open to different views and perspectives or just different life, different life stories, right? And being open to those and listening. And so that is what I always boil it back down to is being open to truly listen. I helped run a business in my 20s. I was one of the youngest managers ever in, in this investment banking firm I worked with. And in through all of that, I was very much code switching, if you will. I would be me on the weekends with my people. I would show up to work. This was before social media or LinkedIn. So I'm on calls with CEOs. I'm 23 years old. They had no idea they were talking to a young black woman. They were clueless. 
And I made sure of it. I felt protected in that sense. And there's something to be said as you get older and, and realize I just, it's not sustainable. And even if it were to be sustainable, I'm selling myself short. And so I do know and recognize that comes with age. So if there are any young listeners that tune into this, just send me a note, you know, don't come for me, just send me a note. We can talk about this, but there is a sense of it getting more comfortable showing up as yourself in all situations. But with, when it comes to work, it's so crucial that everyone is open to listening. I think so often we listen to respond and we subconsciously put our defenses up or we start filling in the blanks when we don't understand something. But if we actually just have conversations and don't come in as if there is a problem to solve, but instead a person to know or a challenge to overcome, um, I, I just, I trust that is really the foundation for all of these initiatives, um, whether they're employee-led or executive-led initiatives around diversity and inclusion. Um, nothing makes you feel like you belong more than sharing a story with someone and sharing a laugh or a tear or being in the trenches with someone solving a problem. Um, those are the things that really bring that sense of belonging. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kendra. I think one of the key things that you mentioned on the listening front is so critical and underestimated. Mm -hmm. And we, you and I have been on many events and conversations and panels. I know you're really active in the American Staffing Association's IDEA group, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Advocacy. And I really could not agree with you more. The listening piece, giving people a safe place, asking the right questions, and just making them feel comfortable to be themselves at work and understanding as a leader, what are you doing that perhaps doesn't make people feel that way and being really open to being in a learning stance yourself to understand that maybe you have all of the right and good intentions, but we all are in a position of learning and growing across the board, but being open-minded to that is one of the first steps. And then listening and realizing you're in a learning stance is so critical to me to be able to try and create that space in that environment. That learning, being in that learning space, it's so critical because as leaders, we like to solve problems. We like to come in with ideas. We want to fix things. We want data and numbers and all of this. And that is great. <laughs> When it comes to creating a sense of belonging and a sense of inclusion, it is, you have to take a step back from that and really get, return to that learning space. And so I'm so glad you, you said that. That's spot on. And you I, recently, I mentioned the idea group, but recently during an event, you actually posed a challenge, is, issued a challenge. And I think it is one that can really make an impact, especially on an individual level. So I'd like to wrap up this position of the podcast with that same challenge. Would you mind sharing? Yes, ab absolutely. And let me just do a shameless plug for these net ASA networking calls, because it's a great opportunity to meet like-minded like folks who, who have DEI initiatives and others as well at their forefront. But we had nearly 50 folks show up and talk about unconscious bias. Basically, we just all like to spend time with folks who look like, sound like, 
feel like remind us of us. And that's a natural instinct. All right, now that you know better, you can do better. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, but let's do better. And the challenge is for folks to actively search and discover an event, whether it's a virtual event or you know, in your hometown, in your city, to find an event that's open to the public, that's important, <laughs> that's not just for members, but something that's open to the public, and register and participate. Actively listen, make a few new connections, et cetera, so that you can experience others beyond your natural circle of trust, um, but also just get comfortable being uncomfortable in those social settings and really discover and immerse yourself in worlds that aren't like yours. I really hope folks go out there and do that. There are some really great sites. You can go to Eventbrite and look up DEI events, LGBTQ events, they're out there. And so not much digging necessary at all. Please get out there and meet some folks who don't look sound or seem like you, because you'll be surprised how much we all do share. <laughs> I agree completely. Thank you so much, Kendra. And you know what? These episodes go by so, so fast. But before we close out our conversation, I would love to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Is that okay? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's go. All right. My first question for you, Kendra, if you could be anything in the world, what would you be? Ooh, I'm going to quote Nikki Giovanni on this one. Um, if I could come back as anything, I'd be a bird first, but definitely the command key is my second choice. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that one. Well, that's a first. So thank you. <laughs> so we have a little bit of a twist on this next question advice your younger self would tell you today. It's, I love, I love that you flip-flop this. Um, advice my younger self would tell me today is that that little voice, that gut, that points you in different directions to trust it because thoughts are truly things and being open to what you feel and what you know um, has the power to change your life and completely direct you in new opportunities and new relationships and just help you impact the world in ways you never imagined. Mm, I love that. It is a, a bit of a trick question, but so important to remember who we were then and who we are today and to listen to ourselves. We were wise when we were younger too. We were. <laughs> uh, all right. Any daily rituals that you have? Oh, all right. So um, every morning when it's time to get up, um, my little dog and I are in bed and I will say, all right, time to be great. And she hops up. She takes that as her cue <laughs> oh. <laughs> to hop up out of bed. And then I put my water on for tea and stretch, take her outside for a few moments and just whatever that elements may be. And, you know, they vary in Chicago um, just really take a moment to be present. Oh, and I love the positivity of that. Just starting with the word great and having that positive momentum to start the day. It really Absolutely. sets the tone there, my friend. <laughs> it does. And knowing that some days I'm going to fall short and that is quite okay. <laughs> Finding grace in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you could stop something and start something, what would it be? I would stop the mass mentality of scarcity 
and start the practice of gratitude for everyone. It's always a good reminder when I think of the gratitude, I need to get my, my journal back out. So thank you yes. for the reminder. Yes. It's so important to think about that every single day. Every it really single day. is. Okay. What are you reading, listening to, and, or watching? And this doesn't have to be professional. It can be personal. It can be what you <laughs> kind of fill your time with folding laundry or whatever it may be. Okay. Fair. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> two books I'm reading right now. And thank you for that disclaimer because um, two books I'm reading right now. One is called The Urgent Life, uh, The Story of Love, Loss, and Survival. I think it's in that order um, by Balsamo St. John. Um, I was watching T.D. Jakes um, one Sunday morning and she was a guest speaker and she um, is a former complete badass exec from Pepsi Cola. She was the one that was responsible for Beyonce's campaign. Just an amazing woman. And um, her, lost her, she lost her husband to cancer. And so just that idea of survival and um, working through grief was appealing to me. But then as I've been reading it, it's an amazing story that anyone could be inspired by. So I really love that. And then The Power of Saying No um, by Dr. Vanessa Patrick. And Leslie, I know you've read that one recently as well. And that, that book's really just stuck with me. And I'm suggesting it to all of the women I know, but it's again, <laughs> powerful and inspiring for any. And then what I'm watching. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm a closet nerd here. And so I tend to watch fantasy shows like the Witcher or wheel of time. Um, we have a small group at Bullhorn, um, that meet every few months to talk about the wheel of time. And I'm just really ready for season two to come out. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that one out. I have not watched it, but it'll help me better understand some of your passions and what you'd like. <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, and that said on the power of saying no, I think I need to add it to a daily ritual. So I make it something that is more habitual. It's kind of like the gratitude journal, right? If it's mm -hmm. a daily ritual and it becomes just part of everything you do, then it becomes a little bit easier. Yes, okay. it's a muscle. You have to practice saying no. Just like exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. Kendra, thank you so much for being with us here on the Edge podcast today and for sharing your story and such great wisdom and advice that you always, always have. I, I continue to walk away from every conversation with you inspired and full of practical takeaways. So thank you. Oh, Leslie, thank you so much for having me. I oh, so yeah. appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. My first official podcast. So I appreciate you. And you know, I've big on the only way to build confidence, confidence is doing something new. So thank you for helping me build my own confidence. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have a hard time believing this is your first podcast, my friend, with all of the speaking you do, <laughs> but I'm happy to have been uh, the first. Okay. If someone's listening to the podcast and they'd like to connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? LinkedIn is truly the, your best bet. Um, any Anything other than email, for the love of God. <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, find me, <laughs> text yeah. me. I agree. Those are the, the fastest, mm -hmm. fastest responses on Amen. my end as well. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, Kendra, thank you again for being with us. And I look forward to uh, sharing this podcast with others. Thank you.